0: Welcome to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship with your host, Claudia Pauls. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan, guest hosting for Claudia. And this episode, we are bringing you a survivor story of teen dating violence. And joining me today is Jen. Thank you for joining me, Jen. Uh, So your story involves uh, teen dating violence. It's kind of the generic term for it. But what do you... What, can you tell us just a little bit about what happened?
1: So I guess to start, I was really young, like 15, first boyfriend I ever had. So I wasn't really sure what things were supposed to be like. He was 16, he could drive. It was really cool. Um, and we were together for about a year and a half and like over the course of that time, things just got really abusive mentally and physically um it didn't start out that way of course um we actually were good friends like little middle school friends Mm. for a long time we also had a lot of mutual friends he was also a really fun guy um like I enjoyed being his friend I always liked hanging out with him and then we just kind of started dating you know um I would say about Maybe, like, six months in is when things started getting, like, verbally abusive. And then they just kept escalating from there.
0: When you, when you think back on it, and that maybe what you now look at as the first time I got abusive verbally, what, is, what does that look like back then? I mean, can you... Yeah, what does it look like?
1: So... I would do something to upset him like something really simple like let's say I went to Taco Bell with my friends after a sporting event or something and I didn't tell him because you know that's just not something that crosses your mind to tell your boyfriend that you have to do right. um he would get like very upset with me and he would just accuse me of cheating on him and he would call me like really really mean names and mm-hmm. just degrade me basically
0: mm-hmm.
1: just for doing something super simple
0: you know so- I'm a dad of teenage girls and and so often we hear and I used to hear this growing up too and oh he's just he's just jealous. It's okay. Jealous is kind of this cute thing. But as that sounds like that's kinda of where I started for mm-hmm. you. Jealous and accusing. Yeah. So that's not a healthy thing. That's a red flag. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I didn't know it at the time though. Like yeah. I said, I was really young. This was my first boyfriend. I like I it was just kind of what I thought was normal. Mm my friends they've had they've i don't know my sisters were actually in their first relationships too at the time so i don't know like i didn't really have anyone to go to for advice i guess i just assumed it was what was supposed to
0: happen yeah yeah that's unfortunate um and a big part of why dasis does what we do to to help people realize like that's not how someone should treat you Um, Mm -hmm. so i'm sorry you, you had that experience when so for a while it goes on verbally like this he would berate you he would call you names he would get jealous get angry how did it how did it escalate for you guys
1: i actually remember the very first instance um i don't remember what the argument was over but he picked me up from my dad's house we were going to his house to hang out and we were like we got in a little argument on the way there it was like a 15 minute drive and when we got to his house he like told me to get out of his car and that he was leaving and I was like, can you just take me back home? And he was like, no, get out of my car. And he kept yelling at me to get out of his car. And I was like, like I was arguing back saying, take me home. And he just started like pushing me and like punching me in the like thigh. I remember cause I was in the passenger side mm-hmm. seat. And then he eventually just got out and like dragged me out of the car and left me at his house by myself. And that like, that was the very first time he laid his hands on me. Mm-hmm. So I remember that like very vividly
0: when you know there's there's time between when that happened and when where you are now jen how does that feel today still
1: um i don't know it's just i guess like now looking back it's like why why did i stay you know it's kind of like really hard to like exactly say what made me stay because there's mm-hmm. i feel like there's a lot of little factors that went into me staying with him but I guess yeah, that's the biggest thing is like why did I stay and put up with that? I was so young. Like I didn't deserve to be treated like that by anybody.
0: Right. Yeah, no yeah, no one deserves to be treated like that for sure. So we've talked on the podcast before, <clears throat> past episodes about why do victims stay. What are some of the reasons that you look that you can think of that you stayed? What what did you tell yourself maybe?
1: So, at the time, one of the biggest the absolute biggest thing was that anytime he would lay his hands on me or say very foul things to me he would like within like an hour or two he would just break down and cry and say he was sorry and he didn't know why he was the way he was and that he wanted to change and he didn't want to lose me he even threatened to kill himself several times when I did try to leave him Mm -hmm. and it was just a very tough situation for me because I we had our good days and I wanted to hold on to those good days and so I would think about those good days and I would be like, maybe he can change, like maybe he isn't going to be like this the rest of his life, you know? So that was, I think that was the biggest factor too. And I also, if he did go through with his suicide, I I didn't want that blood to be on my hands. There was one time when we were like, we were arguing again when he was driving And um, he kept telling me he just was gonna kill us and he was like driving super fast and like going, he wasn't slowing down around curves and like it was so scary. So he did stuff like that too, which made me really believe that he would kill himself. Hmm. So it was just like a really bad situation.
0: Can you recognize anything now with the clarity of years that that would give you the indication that he would have been an abuser? You know, did his parents yell and scream? Did, you know, is there anything that you can look back on and say, boy, maybe that's something that I should have looked at so that other people can find that or or no?
1: Yeah, so looking back, um, it was a while. Be- like, his dad wasn't around much, so it was a while before I really got to see what the dad was like. But the dad was a very angry man. He was very mean to his mom, to mm-hmm. um, my boyfriend at the time's mom. Um, just like just said really mean things to her just so casually too like it was normal right in front of um my boyfriend at the time and his Mm -hmm. sister um the guy i was also the guy i was dating he also um he would get physical with his mommy and his sister he would like if his sister made him mad he would like grab her by the arm and like squeeze her and like get in her face and like scream at her Mm. like and that was like that was like at the beginning too, before he was even like that with me. But and like it scared me. Like watching that would scare me. But like I was like he would never do that to me. You know, like he loves me. <laughs>
0: right, right. So, so definitely red flags that you can think of, especially in this, this, this time of talking about teen dating violence. Um, you know, any any parents, uh, listen to this. Teach your kids to look for those signs if if the the boyfriend or girlfriend is that way with their parents if the parents are that way like just get to know the people in their lives um those are good red flags to keep in mind for sure yeah what is it that that broke it for you that you said okay i'm in an abusive relationship i need to get out i'm going to find help or i'm going to do whatever like what was the instance that got it for you
1: i i honestly i don't know basically just one day i was like I don't, like, I don't want to be in this. Like, it got to the point, like, I would say the last three to four months I was with him, I was only with him so he wouldn't commit suicide. Like, I did not know how to get out at that point. Like, I was trying to back away, but he started clinging more. He would, he would like, follow me. If I went to a basketball game and I didn't tell him, he would show up and start yelling at me. And, like, it was just, like, it was really bad. And I, like, I remember the day I broke up with him, he was – doing one of his things where he was driving all crazy like scaring me really bad and like he um took me um the town I'm from is like there's a bunch of like cornfields so he took me down this dirt road and he was like driving crazy and he just stopped and he like just like went out he dragged me out he like took me out of the truck and he just left me in this cornfield he like threw me down and just left me there I remember calling my sister crying she Didn't have her license at the time so she like snuck the car keys and came and got me because we didn't want to tell my parents i was just embarrassed like i didn't want my parents to know at all and i honestly don't think my mom still knows about that but she'll probably find out when she listens (laughs) so like that was um that was the day i broke up with him and it was a really bad day and i'm like glad my sisters were there for me even though i ended up like isolating them in the relationship because he did not like my sisters He said they were bad influences and that they were going to make me cheat on him. And, yeah, so I'm very thankful for the friends and my sisters, for them sticking by me through it, even though I was very isolated. Hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: So another red flag is isolation, (laughs) Mm -hmm. turning you against your friends, against your family.
1: Yeah. So that, the isolation actually started, um, I would say, pretty close to the beginning. Um, There would be, like, like I had some close guy friends I had a couple close guy friends that I went to school with we were in elementary school together and um he like he wouldn't like if he found out I was texting them about homework or something he'd be like you can't do that like that's cheating and he like basically told me that having guy friends is cheating and I was like okay I understand the concern because I am 15 and I don't know what cheating is (laughs) so I just I didn't have any guy friends out of respect for him um but then it did start like in more into the relationship it did start um becoming more with my girlfriends too i couldn't have girlfriends i had to spend all my time with him i had to do everything with him or else Mm -hmm. it would be a very big argument and it would just yeah that was that
0: (laughs) yeah and then there again you know we hear like oh you know somebody might say oh he's just jealous Mm -hmm. you're you're a pretty girl and he's just a a guy who doesn't want to lose you and blah blah blah, and but that's again that's not in a dating relationship that's not okay no you know, maybe maybe in marriages you make the choice to not have female friends or male friends or whatever, but in a dating relationship, that's isolation and that's not good and that's, yeah, that's unhealthy. Yeah. Um, So when you when you broke up with him, you're like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Was it, for, in your experience as a survivor, was it a clean break? Did you have to go get help? Like, how did that work?
1: So, okay, the situation was actually really tough because he... When we started dating, he went to a different school. He transferred to my school. At the time, I thought it's because he wanted to see more of me, but looking back, I think that he really just wanted to control me even more than he already was. So he moved to my school. So when I broke up with him, he was very psychotic. He went to every sporting event, even if I wasn't there. He just wanted to see if I would be there. If I was there and I was hanging out with my guy friends, he would come up and yell at them and tell them to leave me alone and that I can't. like they can't be talking to me Hmm. um he actually we were in a class together too he freaked out on me during class one day like just calling me really mean names in front of the whole class saying like a bunch of nasty things to me because I wouldn't take him back my teacher had to get him sent out he got suspended um
0: so the school did intervene yeah it took a lot to happen Mm -hmm. that's sad
1: so it wasn't a clean break because he went to my school and he was so aggressive towards me like he didn't even try to hide the abuse from anyone at that point he um actually the day after i broke up with him i was at my locker in the morning and he like came up to me and was like punching the locker by me and stuff and there weren't teachers around so nobody saw it his friends pulled him away before he actually hurt me but i think that he would have he was just very violent and he was out of control at that point and so yeah um but yes actually that was not the first time I tried to break up with him there were several other times but like I mentioned earlier he would do stuff like try to commit like I don't know if he ever actually tried to commit suicide but he would threaten that he would kill himself if I didn't go back with him and Mm -hmm. like but the final time I broke up with him I did not ever get back with him it was just really hard getting away from him
0: gotcha and and just out of curiosity were there other resources that that helped you after that or was it just a okay i'm finally done i can move on what did you do then after you left him to kind of you know either process what happened or to make sure that didn't happen again how did you stay out of a cycle of abusive relationships
1: um well mm, you know i honestly kind of just avoided that type of guy in general i've never dated that type of guy again and, like, I don't want to say what the type of guy is because it's, like, I don't want people to think that sure. type of guy is a bad guy. It's just, like.
0: But you found certain things that you're, like, I'm going to stay away from these particular yes, red flags. Yes. So,
1: yeah, I've, I've never repeated it, thankfully. I feel like if I ever was in that situation again, I feel like I am so strong now and I know what a relationship's supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could definitely be, like, no, this is not okay. Yeah. So, that's nice. But. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's a great, that's a, that's a great uh, light of hope to, mm-hmm. to offer. Um, what piece of advice would you give to, and especially again in this teen dating violence season that we're talking about this um, this month? What advice would you give to to girls, to young women, as they're beginning relationships? What what advice would you give to them?
1: Um, I think that the first red flag for most situations like this is verbal abuse. So I guess the biggest piece of advice for the beginning of a relationship is if he is saying anything degrading towards you, even something as simple as calling you a dumb, like an idiot, like something like that, it's not okay. Like your significant other should not be talking to you like that. Even if you do make a silly mistake, like everyone makes mistakes. It's okay. He should be there. He should be supporting you, not calling you bad names. And... Honestly, it will just escalate from there. So maybe just take a step back. <laughs>
0: yeah. Jen, you said earlier about um, feeling ashamed that your parents would find out. hmm Just based on your experience, what is it about a domestic violence or abusive relationship experience that makes us feel that shame? How can we get, I guess maybe not why, but how can we get over that shame? Because there shouldn't be any shame involved. Yeah. Because uh, you're the victim. It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. How how can we get over that shame?
1: See, in my situation, I when it was happening, I didn't like I didn't feel like a victim. I just felt like I was really dumb for staying with someone that treated me like that. I just mm-hmm. you know, like for me, like I didn't see that I was being manipulated into like feeling the way that I did. So that's why it was hard for me to feel like it was hard for me to feel like it wasn't my fault, you know? Mm-hmm. Um So I guess just if you're ever in that situation, just try to remind yourself, like as hard as it is, try to remind yourself it is not your fault. Nobody should treat you like that. Just you shouldn't be ashamed. It is not your fault. Right. It's really easy to be manipulated by someone that you think that you love, but that's not love. You shouldn't be treated like that by someone that loves you. I felt ashamed in telling my parents because um, there had actually been a prior incident with him that I got a restraining order out on him for. And I started sneaking around behind my parents' back to see him again. I can't tell you why. Yeah. Like, if the incident was so bad that I had a restraining order out on him, I should not have been seeing him. But I still went and saw him anyways. And I think that was my, my biggest shame. Yeah. Like was that I was going behind my parents' back? They told me he's not good for you. He's gonna hurt you, and like I just didn't listen. Um.
0: Well, we think we know everything at that age, don't we? I yeah. can I can remember those yeah. <laughs> those years. It's been a while, but I can remember those years. Mm-hmm. And the thing the thing that's so it's interesting to me is that what I hear you say. You know, you you had this restraining order against him. Mm-hmm. So in theory, you knew that he wasn't good for you. Mm-hmm. Your parents tried to tried to help you learn that and point that out. But in reality, your emotions got to you, and, and you did go back, and you snuck around. But there's no shame there. I mean, feeling guilty about, like, you shouldn't break your parents' rules, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the emotions get to us, and, and, and we hear that. You know, we've had our um, PPO advocates, um, personal protection order advocates, talk about this, too, on, the, on, on previous episodes. Victims will go get a PPO and then go back or come back the next day and try to cancel it and whatever. And it's, and it's not an, always an easy break. Mm-hmm. Like, like we said earlier about you try to break up with them several times or you had this restraining order. It's it's not always easy to leave for yeah. whatever reason. And there's no judgment in not being able to leave. Um, if, if you could take where you are now and go back to that 15-year-old and give her a hug, what's the biggest thing that you would tell her?
1: I would tell her... That you are going to do great things. You're going to get into your dream college. You're going to move away from this small town, and you are going to accomplish every goal you have set for yourself. Get away from this dude. He is no good. He is holding you back.
0: <laughs> Very good.
1: So that's exactly what I would tell her. <laughs>
0: Very good. Is there, is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure is told about your story, about Jen's story?
1: So, I do want to hit on this, because I feel like a lot of people in domestic violence situations will come into this. Um, One of the biggest things that frustrated me when I finally got out of the relationship was his friends. So many of his friends saw him lay his hands on me multiple times, and they all went around having his back saying that I was lying, and I was crazy, and I was psychotic. They tried to make everyone believe that my ex-boyfriend never laid his hands on me, and he was just perfect. Um, I got a lot of messages from people telling me, like, you know, like, you shouldn't be saying this stuff if it's not true. And I just, I want everyone to know, like, don't let those people bring you down. Like, they're lying. They saw with their own eyes what happened. They're they're protecting an abuser, and that's that's their problem. That's not your problem.
0: Like, the victim shaming and the supporting abusers just has got to stop. Mm-hmm. They like, to echo exactly what you just said, if you, if you know one of your friends has done these things, you, you can't have their back in that sense. Get them help, there's no, like, help them get help, but don't victim shame. Yes. Anyway. Jen, thank you for taking time to, to share your story, to offer hope to, to young women and, and young men, to young people who, uh, who may be in those abusive relationships and to, to give them that, that light. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to I'm Not In An Abusive Relationship. If these stories resonate with you and you need help, please visit our website, org. That's org. Or call our hotline at 800-828-2023. We are here to walk alongside you. If you know someone who might benefit from our show, please share it social media, email, simply telling someone about it, all help us spread the word and help us to combat domestic and sexual violence. We also welcome financial and volunteer support. That information is on our website. Thank you to the staff, volunteers and board of directors at Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services. This podcast is produced with the help of a committee of dedicated advocates. Thank you to WBET radio in Sturgis, Michigan for the use of their studio. This has been a podcast about surviving domestic and sexual violence and a production of Domestic and Sexual Abuse Services of Michigan.